Welcome back to another episode of the Guildhall School Events Podcast. We're talking about jazz today with Pete Brown, ahead of the biggest jazz concert of the year so far, the Guildhall Jazz Band on 19th of November at Milson Court Concert Hall, which is also part of the EFG London Jazz Festival. So Pete, you co-produced Celtic Steps. Yes. Um, Dick Hextor Smith, the composer, was one of my greatest friends. Um, he was an amazing saxophone player, probably one of the very best that Britain's ever produced, and uh, became a very good composer too. This was his most ambitious work. Originally it was commissioned for a festival down in Dorset, um, but the band that they had down there, which I later on became a member of myself, actually couldn't play it because it was too hard. <laughs> Which it is. It's not a, not an easy piece, um, and because of that, the disappointment involved in that, then I managed to get an arts council grant to record the thing, um, and we did it on a bit a bit of a shoestring. But we, I think, we did a quite a nice job on the record, and um, it was favourably reviewed uh, whatever at the time uh, it's an amazing piece and I had always campaigned to get it played live because uh, it's kind of unique there's not nothing quite like it what, why is that why is it so why is that well because it's got elements like uh, because it's about the beginnings of of, of civilization and old England and, and stuff like that that Hextel Smith did masses of research into and the Picts and the Scots and and, and uh, um, it, it, it evokes that but at the same time it's jazz um, it, it's world music and it's jazz there's things in it that are African there are things in it that are quite Welsh Dick was partly Welsh he had some Welsh blood there's only one thing in British jazz history that's like it. Well, it's not like it, but it's a, a parallel, if you like, which is uh, another saxophone player's composition, a guy called Bobby Wellens, who you've worked with here. Scott's worked with him a lot. Right. And um, Bobby wrote a thing called The Battle of Culloden Moor, which the group that I was in at the time, which was a jazz and poetry group, um recorded uh, um, just with a quartet as a semi-free improvisation and then later on it was it was done as an orchestral piece uh, um, at one particular concert that we put on way back in 1961 um, or just after that around about then anyway and um, it was only recently recorded by the Scottish Arts Council as a, a, as a proper uh, orchestral piece with Bobby. Um, so that's, that's a kind of a... It's about one specific thing, one specific historic event, whereas Dick's thing is, is about a lot of different things mixed in together. Because he, he spans sort of um, a couple of millennia of, yes, um, of Celtic history, which yes, is quite, yes. quite unusual to do in uh, It's in unusual music to do it in 35 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I mean, how does, he, how does he cram it all in into, into 35 minutes? He, well, he, believe it, he manages it. You know, I mean, he, it's, it is an extraordinary piece, you know. That I think it's very powerful. And um, 
there's nothing extraneous about it. You know, it's it's he. Uh, I mean, the the guy who was the original MD, uh, Pete Lima, who unfortunately can't be on the gig, um, but but he's been helping with the score and everything, and and uh, and he said that Dick did sometimes actually make things slightly more complicated than they needed to be. <laughs> but the end result is quite, I think, is an incredible piece of music, uh, which I think people will be very moved by. And you said um, you said the, uh, the the piece was unable to be played um, back back a, back a while ago. So it's a, it's a testament to Guildhall School musicians that they're actually attempting to, to to play this piece. Yes, it's an ambitious piece, and 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 um, we, we will have the assistance of certain musicians that were associated with Hextall Smith over the years. Um, we're going to have uh, Art Theme and Ed Jones on saxophones and Henry Lowther on trumpet, who's done a lot of work here with Scott again. And we're hopefully going to have uh, uh, Ken Rowe on drums and Alan Weeks, who just happens to be in my band as well, um, on guitar. Uh, the rest of them will be all students will be all guilt all people um, brilliant and have you been working with the students on this or are you just going to come ar- come along on the night and, and see it performed yes uh, well I'm hoping to come to a rehearsal or two um, and uh, uh, I'll say I'm, I'm the MC on the night so I'll be, I will introduce it and everything I mean uh, as I say I've campaigned for this for a long time so I'm for sure going to be there and I, uh, nothing will stop me so you must be quite excited to, to see it played I'm very very excited that, that, that it found a place at the festival I mean the the festival organiser is a friend of mine John Cumming and um, we've been we've known each other since he was a kid and um, so I I've, I've been kind of on at him for a while to do something with this um, and uh, I finally got put the bite on him and he did it <laughs> and uh, and the other one of the other things of course is is that um, originally we uh, I was wanting to do the first half um, of entirely of music by Mike Taylor Mike, Mike Taylor was a uh, another amazing British composer who had a a very very different and groundbreaking groundbreaking band um, with John Heisman on drums and Tony Reeves on bass um, and um, made a few records um, and then unfortunately got uh, got indisposed by by uh, substance abuse and died very very young. Um, and um, he was an, another amazing composer, uh, and we're going to feature certainly at least three pieces of his. And Scott said to make up the rest of it, we're going to do um, in the first half. We'll do some other stuff by contemporary composers from you know, from the sixties. Um, and the piece that will introduce the first piece in the second half uh, will be a, a song. On the eponymous, uh, from the eponymous album, was a Nazu. Now, was a Nazu was Dick's um, first solo jazz album, which I again co-produced. 
and played on as well, for that matter, to some extent. Um, and uh, was a Nazu, Ed Jones, the sax player, who, who was in Dick's band, um, is writing a, a big band arrangement of that for the night. Um, and, uh, and that's a thing with a, a very distinct kind of African groove. It's uh, um, a thing with, with, with that kind of African triplets uh, a very nice groove, you know. It's quite. Uh, it, it was originally not a very long piece, but I think it probably go on for about ten minutes with solos and stuff like that, and um, plus all the bits of arrangement. Uh, um, uh, we did it with a. We recorded it. I think it was with a seven piece, but in fact, it's ideally suited for a big band. And uh, and then Celtic Steps itself, which I, I think people will be quite amazed at. Really, Dick had had a kind of a schizophrenic existence in the sense that he loved the blues, and he mostly or, or largely made his living from playing in blues bands. Um, sometimes his own things, sometimes with people like Eddie Martin in Germany with the Hamburg Blues Band, which I also worked with. Uh, in fact, he got me into it. <clears throat> Lots of blues things that he did, uh, um, starting with, with uh, playing in the original Alexis Corner Band in 1962. After that, he was in the gr what I consider to be the greatest British semi-popular band which was a band called the Graham Bond Organisation um, which also had Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker in it and um, I've always said that that particular band was to musicians what the Beatles were to the public you know everybody was influenced by them and everybody loved them and then he, and then he did jazz gigs but he also did many many blues gigs the blues was really his living he uh, um uh, and he also had two two degrees. <laughs> he started off when he was in Cambridge. He, Exton Smith, got a degree in agriculture, believe it or not, and was kind of <laughs> driving kind of tractors around very scientifically for a while. Wow! <laughs> uh, and then uh, after he'd done his first solo album, which I did the lyrics for, which was called um, "A Story Ended," um, then he came out of music for a little bit. He had a back injury. And when he had the back injury, it was taking a long time to get better. So he went and did another degree in social anthropology. As you do. As you do. <laughs> I mean, he was probably the most intelligent person that I ever met. Uh, certainly one of the, well, alongside maybe someone like Alistair Gray, the writer, who's another one, who's another kind of genius, you know. So. And then he, he started off, put a toe in the water, playing in a, in a, in a semi-pro band for a little while, and then he went full-time professional again. Um, and then another extraordinary thing happened, because uh, <clears throat> when he was about 59 or 60, then um, he had a massive heart operation, during which time he died twice. Um, and luckily came back. Um, <laughs> this is before he wrote Celtic Steps. That's before he wrote Celtic Steps. And, and, and when he came out of that operation, then he'd had, well, he, he, as I say, he died twice. He'd had three collapsed lungs and a pleurectomy as well. And the chances didn't look great for him playing again. But somehow 
found the most incredible strength and actually uh, um, began, he more or less had to learn not the technique of playing, but but to learn the physical thing of of, of blowing and, and playing the saxophone again, which he did in my basement mostly, <laughs> uh, because apparently in his well in his flat there was a a, a a law student doing finals and asked him maybe could he not play for a while, you know? So he came to my place and How played. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and and uh, played for several months, and then he and then he sounded fantastic again, uh, and, and was wonderful, and 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 ended up, yeah, obviously doing doing the solos and 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 being the general uh, general person in charge of the Celtic Step sessions. Um, you must have good memories of um, having him round and yeah, learning his instrument again in your. In your yeah, I mean, I loved the guy, you know. I mean, he, as I say, he was one of my closest friends. Um, I learned an awful lot from him. He wasn't very very wise with his own body, but but he was wise in, in other ways, incredibly so. Two particular quotes that I would always give of him, which were one of which is at uh, one point in the 60s, he'd done a, a guest appearance with a local semi-pro rhythm section. I said to him, I said, how, was, how did that gig go, Dick? And he said, well, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing was a thing he wrote on my basement wall while he was while he was doing his rehabilitation into, into the saxophone again, which was a thing which said, all musicians think they're crap. Any musician who, who doesn't think they're crap is crap. <laughs> Which was great. I mean, it, it meant effectively that complacency was totally out of the question. Yeah, and ego. You know, and ego. And, and that you had to continue to learn and try to improve. You know, which is also for me what music's all about. It know? has to be, doesn't it? Well, it, yes, it does have to be, really. And 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 anyone that says different is crap, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, then he he, we got the thing done. We we did three wonderful records before he died. Was Nazu was one. Celtic Steps was the second, and then the third one was called Blues and Beyond. It was an original blues record, which. Everything of which was composed by Dick. Um, well, it's great to see you coming back to the Guildhall School. As you said, you don't do anything that's terrible. Um, <laughs> do you, have you been here a lot? I have a slight connection with it in the sense that, well, Lionel Grigson was a friend of mine. He worked here for a long time. And um, my daughter is an absolutely wonderful musician and, and, and um, writer. And she was here uh, uh, Jessica Walker, her name is, her stage name is, anyway. And uh, another connection is that Malcolm Bruce was here too for a while. So I'm working with him on his next record. That's Jack's son. And a third connection is that my neighbour is a wonderful, wonderful musician and comedian called Kate Short, who also was here. <laughs> uh, so there is a kind of slight connection. I think these places produce great musicians, you know. And I, I have tried very hard to, to invest certain amounts of time in encouraging good young musicians. If there's, if there's a piece of advice that you could give to, to young jazz musicians that are either trying to make it or looking to get into the industry, what, what would it be? Well, 
It's a very, very dedicated thing. You, 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 money will only happen by accident. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a small scene, but then you have to realise that way back when Dick Hextall Smith started, back in the late 50s, then there were approximately 25 musicians earning their living from what I would call modern jazz or contemporary jazz. And now there's an awful lot more than that out there doing various kinds of things. Not, not jazz maybe all the time, but jazz-related things. So it has improved, even despite recessions and all sorts of dreadful kind of governments of all kinds uh, that didn't really understand anything about jazz um, or, or, or music for that matter. Um, but uh, it's a lot better than it used to be. And, you know, one of the things that knocks me out is uh, to hear great young musicians playing and to realise that they have absorbed the traditions, a lot of the traditions that are involved in, 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 in the music, you know. And, and the traditions have to keep going, you know, even if you do your, very, your own... Uh, your own version of them, which you must do if you're an improvising musician. Um, but nevertheless, the traditions are always paramount, you know, whether it's the tradition of bebop or the tradition of of modal jazz or it's a tradition of, 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 of New Orleans or, or whatever it is. Uh, um, uh, you have to keep that one going, you know. Uh, you have to in integrate, and the blues, you know, um, it, it's it's nowhere without a certain injection of blues, um, but uh, people seem to still be able to take those things on board to some extent and to come up with their own thing. Obviously, jazz is a very personal music, so it's not it's not about copying people. It's about digesting those traditions and and your own influences and then coming up with yourself. Um, and uh, uh, making a, making it real personal, uh, and it's the most that and the blues are the, they're the, they're the most personal kinds of music, and making that as public as you can in order to survive, you know. Uh, Brilliant. Well, I think we probably got to wrap it up there because it's uh, getting on a bit. Um, but thank you so much for coming in and giving us your time. And um, we're all going to really look forward to seeing you uh, as the MC uh, on this great evening on the 19th of November. Um, so, yeah, thanks very much, Pete. Welcome. Cheers. The Guildhall Jazz Band performs on Wednesday, the 19th of November at Milton Court Concert Hall. You can get your tickets via the Barbican box office online at gsmd.ac.uk.